What's up, Video Landers? I'm your host, Dr. Diamond Doug. Triple D. And with me tonight is Mr. Miggity Miggity Mag. That's me. Quick reminder, you can find us on AdventuresInVideoLand.com or on our Facebook page for Adventures in Videoland. We are critics with attitude. In many of the AV podcasts, you'll hear some bad language. Oh. Yeah, But that's not really our style. Yeah. We'll try to keep it PG-13. PG-13. Yeah. Also, spoiler alert, uh, if you don't want tonight's movie ruined, pause this episode, watch the movie, and come back later. With that said... Tonight we'll be talking about Pantheon nomination number 7, Cabaret, nominated by Rachel Plantinga with guest voter Brian Steele. Brian Steele! Before we get to that, let's chat about Pantheon. Mr. Miggity Mac, what is Pantheon? You know, I've always said, and if you've listened to our previous podcast, you've heard me say this before, but I've always said that Pantheon is one of those movies that you really, it's an essential viewing you should see this movie it's going to be firing on all the cylinders you're going to have a great director a great cast you're going to have fantastic soundtrack if there's music involved and in today's music many today's movies many times there are music involved you're going to have an excellent script and a story and if there's special effects they're going to stand the test of time whether it's a current movie or an older one like Cabaret from the 70s. Yep. And then uh, some of the, sometimes we use the phrase essential viewing. Essential viewing. And uh, we also mention the fact that if it's a if it's a type of movie, that it is the exemplar of that genre. That it it yes. stands as a, as a as a city on a hill lighting uh, movie. Whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I, but I, yeah. I, but you yeah. know, if it's a musical <laughs> like Cabaret. Uh, then it should be a fantastic musical. All the other ones should some, somehow be drawn and compared to it. If it's a martial arts movie, it should be a fantastic martial arts movie, etc., etc. That's right. All right, so let's chat about what has happened so far. I mentioned it's number seven in terms of the nomination. Uh, run me down a list, starting from the beginning of which movies we've looked at so far, Mr. Oh, Miggity Matt. right. At the beginning of the season here, we started with Dear Zachary, uh-huh. uh, nominated by Jerry. Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy. Jeremy. <laughs> and uh, it did not make Pantheon. Then uh, Boogie Nights, nominated by Orion. It came very close. Six of 11 votes. Needed seven. It did not quite make it. Uh, Pink Floyd, The Wall was next, nominated by Nathan. Also didn't make it, but it wasn't even close. It was three out of 11, but I, I, I completely got his nomination there. A Miami Connection, nominated by Brad. It got 6 of 11. I was the guest voter for that one. So close. So close. You were the guest I voter. I said yes. You but, said uh, yes, or it had been five. Happen. The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou was nominated by Kyle. It got 9 out of 11 votes and is and forever shall be in Pantheon. Yeah, we called that one. We did. And then (laughs) Young Frankenstein, if you uh, didn't listen to our last podcast, you go back and check that one out. We talked about Young Frankenstein nominated by Matthew and it got 7 of 11 and is absolutely and now and forevermore in Pantheon. Yep. That goes without saying. Goes without saying. <laughs> to quote the movie. <laughs> All right. So, uh, as a little foreplay in chatting about Cabaret, Mr. Miggity Mac, I've got a question for you. Wait, Cabaret and foreplay in the same sentence. I know. I know. I know. So, if, uh, so, if you were doing a burlesque show... Yes. What 
would be your uh, burlesque perso- persona or act. What do you think? I thought about this uh, actually quite a bit, and I came up with a burlesque name, Angel Eyes Schnapps. That would be me. One, because, well, my eyes. And two, because, while I don't like schnapps, it has a specific snap to it. I think that just portrays my character in burlesque. I would be one of those characters that you never know what I would look like when I come out on stage. You might not even recognize me. Wink, wink. Say no more. But that would be me. I'm thinking I would go as the naughty professor. Full drag. Right, just well, of beautiful. It's my best. size thirteen, beautiful shoes, mm. dancing around on stage. Mm. Uh, it would be something for everyone. That's for sure. I, you know, and in fact, if we talk about uh, cabaret, I might actually be a similar character to the MC, not necessarily the MC of the yeah. show, but but a storyteller, and then also, you know, playing. Uh, fun and and playful that kind of character that would be me that'd be fun um so you personally in your life mr miggity mac mr gary uh how what what are your personal experiences with musicals uh in your own life have you done them yeah you know as a child i was in uh quite a few actually uh oliver sound of music and some others and i grew up in doing musical theater I loved it. I didn't know there was any other kind of acting. I wanted to be an actor when I was little before my mom dashed all of those hopes and yeah. dreams by telling me one in a bajillion, gigajillion actually succeeds. But uh, I did a lot of musical theater, and when it wasn't musical theater, it was comedy. So I felt, you know, I feel like I've, uh, as, as far as cabaret as a genre, I feel like I connect with that genre. Sure, sure. And I, uh, so I've done more comedy than musicals. I've been involved in musicals. I was, I was in the sound, uh, or the, uh, uh, the 76 trombone, the, uh, the, the music, the man. music man. I was the one non-singing part. The one non-singing part. <laughs> it's not that I can't sing, it's, but they're like, you're going to be Mayor Shin. So yeah. I was Mayor Shin. Uh, but I was in Cotton Patch Gospel, uh, and I was in some other things. Uh, uh, throughout there. How, so here's a question for you. Do you What do you think about movie musicals in general? You know, a lot of movie, movie musicals are not entertaining for me. My wife wanted to watch uh, White Christmas mm-hmm. uh, two years ago. And uh, there's some friends of ours that watch it every year. It's a tradition in their household. And I thought, you know, <laughs> I've seen so many of that particular genre. I don't really want to watch another one. And then I watched it, and I got sucked in, and I liked it. And so, you know, for me, I hesitate to watch them because I feel like it's just going to be yet another movie musical, especially the older ones. And then I get drawn in every time. So very rarely have I watched a movie musical that I haven't uh, enjoyed myself. Not to say they're all Pantheon. Yeah. But, but that I haven't enjoyed myself in some way. For whatever reason, they speak to me in a deep level. I don't know why. I so and I personally like uh, movie musicals. Uh, like I, how about this? I don't have anything against the genre of movie musicals because mm-hmm. there's a number of them that I do like. Mm-hmm. Some of the older big Hollywood splashy ones, I'm not always the biggest fan of. But like the but Sound of Music or yes. Singing in the Rain, uh, even some more modern ones. Uh, yes, that, um, I wasn't a I wasn't. Personally, I wasn't a huge fan of La La Land myself, but other people like that. Yeah, lot. I got drawn into it, but I don't know that I would. Yeah, watch it again. Uh, but like Oliver, 
Yeah, great, great film. And you know what's a separation here, and it just occurred to me. Some of the really big, splashy ones where you have that stereotypical scene with like fifty dancers with flamingo feathers mm-hmm. everywhere up on a step on up on the risers in a fan shape. You know, all all on a stage, all doing the same dance at the same time, and the, it's like the curtains open, and there's no longer two characters. Mm-hmm. There's a hundred people all performing. Those are not my style of movie musical. Those are stage musical styles that are being shot as a movie musical. Stage musicals, even though I was in a bunch of them, they're not my thing. Yeah, yeah. I think for the me... movie that, ones are more stories. Um, that one of the first movies that I remember seeing in the theater was Annie. Um, uh, another musical. A, and not, not like one. Not, not in the, more in the style of the breaking into song, less into the style of cabaret. Mm-hmm. And we'll chat more about that mm-hmm. uh, in this episode. All right, mm-hmm. so let's chat about cabaret. Uh, a little bit. Uh, can you run us down uh, through uh, just some of the the basics about this movie? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is. Uh, it was in the in the U.S. rated PG. Although in the U.K. Uh, it opened with an X rating. In the U.K., X rating meant you had to be eighteen or over to watch it at the time. And then it's in the seventies. It was a, uh, later adjusted when they changed their uh, their rating system because of discussions of homosexuality, homosexuality drug use, abortion, and abortion. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it is a drama musical uh, genre directed by Bob Fosse. Uh, if you haven't seen it, there's a, I believe an FX special called Fosse Vernon uh, that's just just recently yeah. came out. Uh, that'd be kind of fun to watch if you're interested at all in that sort of thing. Screenplay by Jay Allen, produced by Cy. I think it's Fuhrer. Yep. Not not Fuhrer. And like I say Foyer it that, or something. Yeah, yeah, I say it that way because the movie's set. In the pre-World War II <laughs> Germany yeah. and the rise of the Nazi Party. So, yeah. in any case, uh, it was in theaters February 13th, 1972. Released at theaters, runtime uh, 124 minutes, so just over two hours. Which, even for that time, was a little bit long for a movie. Uh, generally, 90 minutes was pretty much runtime. I saw that somewhere. Uh, the studio I put it together were ABC Pictures and Allied Artists. And based on the book Cabaret by Joe Masteroff. In addition, there's uh, another book by Masteroff, like called "I Am Camera." That am there's camera. some other stuff that that's brought in. So, from Metacritic, the synopsis of the movie is "Inside the Kit Kat Club of 19," and it's spelled with all K's. And, and by the way, I think I would have a blast at the Kit Kat Club of 1931 so Berlin. Starry-eyed singer Sally Bowles, played by Liza Minnelli, and Im- and an impish MC. Played by Joel Gray, uh, sound the clarion call to decadent fun while outside a certain political party grows into a brutal force. I don't know why Metacritic called them a certain political party. Well, it's you know, the Nazis. They who shall not be yeah, named. Yeah, they, they who shall not be named. <laughs> um, and uh, I, uh, when I was chatting with Brad about this, said that I had taken to calling the movie... The Sound of Music, Slutty Cousin. Yeah, because they're both set in in, in the in about that thirties period, uh, the rise the rise of Nazi Germany right before World War Two. Yeah. Sound of Music was a little later, but yeah, right in the same time period. Sound of Music, very virtuous, uh, uh, set in a household full of children. Yeah, <laughs> as opposed to this one, which is uh, holy a goodness little gracious, more ambiguous in terms of its uh, or or you might say values. fun. Yeah. Yeah, a little more fun. Good times had by all. 
Uh, AMC Film Site uh, talks about this, uh, saying it's the sexually charged, semi-controversial, kinky musical was the first to be given an X rating in the UK, although later re-rated. With its numerous sexual flings and hedonistic club life, it received a rather tame PG rating in the US. There was considerable sexual innuendo, profanity, casual sex talk, homosexual and heterosexual, and, uh, they don't say it here, bisexual. bisexual. Some evidence of anti-Semitism, uh, although we would we could argue that it was parodying it was, uh, that uh, used ironically, yeah, right? Mostly and, used ironically, and even uh, an abortion mentioned in the film. Yeah, you know, and uh, uh, the the profanity was them using the word "screw" or for example, "boomsen" or "boomsen." So uh, while for the 1972, this would be considered uh, not talk for. Uh, mixed company. Yeah. It wasn't like they were dropping the f bomb. Yeah, I think somebody was called an ass at some point, an ass at some point in time. Yeah. but but I don't believe there was anything you know much more than that. It wasn't a modern day uh, bomb dropper. No, and uh, even Fosse would go on to direct um, Lenny about yeah. the life of Lenny Bruce, mm-hmm. talking about his comedy, and and there was arguments about whether or not he should do that because it was too profane. Very profane. So that was the time. Uh, that was the time mm-hmm. in context of this movie. So running down some ratings about this, the IMDb IMDb gives it a seven point eight out of ten. Metacritic and gives it an eighty, though, which is the same as Young Frankenstein. Rotten Tomatoes ninety five percent fresh, eighty seven percent of the audience liked it, and Google Google. Gives it an 83% uh, of people liking it. And I think we should call it Goodle from now on. Goodle. Goodle. Goodle it is. Uh, Roger Ebert. So, uh, talking about reviews, gives it three and a half out of four stars. And uh, he says, this is no no ordinary musical. Part of its success comes because it doesn't fall for old cliche that musicals have to make you happy. Instead, the cheapening... Uh, instead of cheapening the movie version by light, lightening its load of despair, director Bob Fosse has gone right into the bleak heart of the material and stayed there well enough to win an Academy Oscar, uh, Academy Award for Best Director. And we'll talk about this in a bit, but there were numerous Academy Awards that is uh, given to this movie. We've got some other reviews from uh, Metacritic. Uh, uh, Mr. Miggity Mac, you want to run through those, starting with the one for uh, that gave it 100 yeah, 100 from TV Guide Magazine, a uh, staff member. A chilling, fossy vision of the Weimar Berlin, the Weimar district, the Weimar time, Weimar time period yeah. is the roaring 20s of Germany. Weimar S- Republic. Republic, thank historical you. Era. That is the word. Stylishly directed and choreographed, featuring a show-stopping musical performance by Liza Minnelli. Uh, Gray's unforgettable MC. Gray, by the way, Jennifer Gray's father. Yeah, uh, uh, is is great. And Liza Minnelli, the daughter of Judy Garland. Of Judy Garland. And by the way, I saw both of those two, the earlier generation Judy Garland and the younger generation Jennifer Grey, in these two's performance. Oh, really? It was kind of cool to pick that up. It was kind of slick. Anyway, and my wife picked it up as well. Unforgettable MC and thoughtful acting from Michael York as well, the British uh, uh, English teacher that was a part of the story. Slightly less at 90 from Variety. Uh, a staff member said it's a it's a literate, body sophisticated, sensual, cynical, heartwarming, and disturbingly thought 
thought-provoking film. The Chicago Reader's Jonathan Rosenbaum gave it a 70, again a little bit lower. It's entertaining and stylish, though maybe not quite as serious as it wants to be. We're going to touch on that a little bit later about the serious topics that this movie addresses. Sure. But he's saying didn't really get as serious as they thought they were. And the negative review on Metacritic, uh, and they label the, they list this as a 30, is from Time Magazine Jay Cox who says, by the time scenerist Alan and director Fosse have wrung them out, what's left, with one exception, is mostly slack and sour. What do you think he means by slack and sour? That he just didn't like the film. It just seemed a little kind of meh. Damn, all right. All right, so some from the hoi polloi, the, the general, uh, the population of yeah, reviewers. Yeah, not the professional reviewers. Uh, number 10 from Lolo TV. Uh, do you know Lolo TV? I've not met Lolo TV. I said, an amazing film like no other. Cabaret blows it all from story deft performances and acting to amazing cinematography and art direction. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Amazing. And uh, a six from, or number six from Spangle. Uh, after not liking all that jazz, which is a later did movie. Did we see Spangle before in Young Frankenstein? I think we did, yes. Oh my goodness. We did Spangles, Spangles all right over the there. place. After not liking all that jazz, which is a later movie from Fosse, my expectations for Cabaret were realistic. I knew that it was possible j- Bob Fosse's directing style was simply not something I was programmed to enjoy. The end result is a film that seems inconclusive. Sure. Definitely more up my alley than all that jazz. Cabaret is still not a film I would say I liked more or less. And he goes on to yeah, describe and how on he and felt on. about it. Now, from our AV viewership, and these are uh, these are, this is like the knee-jerk reaction yeah. to listing number seven nomination, Cabaret. Right. So, these aren't the council. These, these are com- Facebook members. Yep. So we're going to give shout-outs, and then we'll link these people yes. so that they know that we said, uh, that we chatted about them. About 16 minutes in, we'll say this. Uh, so Scott Herdliska said, Strange choice, but amazing flick. I say definitely. All right. Uh, I'm going to jump ahead one. Sure. Because I wanted to say this one because I really liked it. April Hawkins. Uh, April says, watched. There's a period after that word. Yep. Love music. Period. Love dance. Period. Love a movie with a good story and script. Period. Love older films. Period. We're checking the boxes. Love a movie that keeps me interested and unaware of time passing. Period. That stated. Comma. I couldn't wait for this to end, and it held zero appeal to watch it again. Period. Yeah, I'm thinking that April didn't like this one. No. But, but you know what? Uh, it's not everyone's cup of tea, I would say. Yeah, it, it wasn't Scott Forbes' Eve either who said, I think this is the first film this season I've seen. Lol. Tough choice. It's a film I like, but I can't say it's a film I love, which is probably why I should vote no. Now, I believe Scott's actually saying the first film this season he's seen before it was nominated. Yeah. But even so, yeah, and he's laughing at himself. But yeah, so, uh, and then Zach Brown says, no. No, just no. Kill me now so I don't have to rewatch this. Singing in the Rain is moderately tolerable. This is mind-numbing. I hate musicals in general, and this one in particular. Although, I hate Les Mis more than this. Hashtag, just say no to musicals. So, would you say he's a yes or a no? Ah, I'm thinking Zach, and Zach, if you're listening to this, you would probably agree with me, Zach is on the fence. Okay, yeah, like... (laughs) 
He's <laughs> he's somewhere in the middle. We don't know where Not he's going sure, yet. But That's one sure. yes and two knows for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, let's walk down some receipts for this uh, box office. That the uh, this is the box office receipts, not the domestic gross, but box, no, no. box office receipts in general. Forty two mm-hmm. million, forty two point eight million right. for the film, with a production of two point three million. So it made forty million dollars. Yeah. So it was it was successful in that. From our butts and seat index. That's nineteen. That's copyrighted by you and I. Yeah, that's right. Nineteen seventy two average ticket price of a dollar seventy. If you divide those out, Cabaret had a butt. Butts and seat index of 25 million individual viewers. 25 million people shelled out a buck 70 to maybe watch not, this movie. Maybe not 25 million individuals, but 25 million people Somebody saw, saw it, it twice, yeah. yeah. Like Infinity War. You yeah. saw it more than once. I did. I saw Infinity I saw War it twice. Three, it was pretty, you see two, it more than two. Two times. Yeah, that was a good film. Yeah. Uh, so by comparison, uh, walk me down Sound of Music. There. Sound of Music came out in 1966, which, by the way... Was a fantastic year, and any human being born that year probably is either a genius or just loved by everyone. That they are. The Sound of Music, uh, also a musical I was in as a child. Uh, domestic gross was uh, one hundred fifty-eight million six hundred seventy-one thousand and change. Can I say I had to look that back up again? I was like, wait, wait, it wait, did what? It did what? Okay, so the Sound Let's, of Music was, was say re-released. The- three yeah, I times. <laughs> the Sound of Music has domestic U.S. This is gross. not Lifetime. This is this is the domestic gross, yeah. One hundred fifty-eight million six hundred seventy-one thousand three hundred and sixty-eight dollars. But the tickets were probably really expensive. A dollar nine. What? Yeah. And what? in fact, that's a little high because when I was very young, movie tickets were about fifty cents. These are average prices. I'm aware, average yeah. price, but I'm just saying. So butts and seed index. A one hundred forty-five and a half million wow. people saw Sound of Music in the. Theater, yeah. let alone the annual re-showing yeah. on every ABC time they play and it. NBC. Was that Christmas the or whenever they channel. play? Channel yeah. Thanksgiving time generally. All right, so then Ding. Uh, we had mentioned uh, we had uh, singing in the rain, which is Pantheon, mm-hmm. nineteen fifty-two. Uh, nineteen fifty-two domestic gross of thirty-eight million with a nineteen fifty-two average ticket price of a dollar uh, of of fifty-seven cents. So it has a butts and seat. Index of sixty six point eight million. Yeah, not too shabby. Twenty five no. million for Cabaret. Sixty six point eight million for Singing in the Rain. Now, Sweet Charity, which is important. A lot of people have not heard of Sweet Charity. This was Fosse's directorial debut. Yeah, I threw this one on the yeah, list for that. Because we want to see it, right? Yeah, like. <laughs> 1969. <laughs> How much did it cost to make Sweet Charity? It, it was a relatively low budget movie, only twenty million dollars. So it probably made tons of money. Then, Mister Biggity Mac. Domestic gross actually just under, but we'll call it eight million bucks. It lost twelve, 12 million dollars. Smackaroos. It is responsible for the nearly complete failure of the of the production company, <laughs> yeah. Universal, that actually helped put it together. Uh, 1969 average ticket price a buck 42. It lost. I'm sorry. It meant- but, butts in seats. 5.6 million people saw it, but it lost 12 million dollars domestically. Yeah. Yeah. Wah wah. Fine. So someone still gave Fosse money to make another movie. Yeah. After that so, debacle. So Cabaret was his last chance. They, they said it works or it doesn't. Yeah. And so what did he do? Abortion, homosexuality, oh, yeah. bisexuality, Nazis, 
Jew-hating people, uh, yeah. murders in the street, bar no expense. But also, they sent Cy Fuhrer to go watch him, to and sure. the budget was no longer $20 million, it was $2.3 million. So Fair enough. Yeah. So they made they made it back and and he was successful that year. Yeah, he got uh, he got Best Director Academy Award, but he also won a Tony and an Emmy. I think it was that it's year. Crazy. So he got a trifecta. So yeah, Fosse was not. Although although Sweet Charity was his first movie as a director, he was not uh, new to the entertainment industry. He'd been around, uh, and in fact was discovered and given his first break by Jerry Lewis. Of all people. and Yeah, and, and I was just going to say, Sweet Charity, if, if it doesn't ring a bell, maybe the song, Hey Big Spender. Spender. Yeah, that's yeah, that from guy. Sweet Charity. Yeah, that yeah. song. Sorry, yeah. Do, 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 do. Spend a little time with me, I believe yeah. is the lyric. Well, I'm, I'm not as old as you are, so... I've only heard the song <laughs> once, and it was my grandmother singing it, so, so I have no idea. A, so here's a question I have for you. So uh, you had mentioned uh, in passing... Yeah. Uh, so this film is, it came out in 72. I was born in 75. This is before my time. Yeah. I would um, have just been a small child. And you would have just been a small child. Yeah. So that okay. my question for you is, did you see Did you see this No. Uh, as a child nope. or Wouldn't as have been a allowed to watch or anything? This movie. Nope. Yeah. Wouldn't have been allowed to watch the movie. The first time I saw this movie, I was in college here at Purdue probably. And uh, it, was, it was, matter of fact, I was in... For anybody who knows Purdue, I was in W129, the big lecture hall in the engineering building, and it was one of those movie nights where they probably showed Silver Bullet and then Cabaret, back to back. Obviously, I mean, you know, because that's what you would do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, so uh, before we get into our take, that uh, so normally this is the time when we would pause because uh, the council member who had nominated this. Uh, for this Pantheon companion that right. we're doing. Yeah, well, it's kind of a tradition we have. Kind of a tradition would, would leave us uh, some sort of some sort of a... We have called it... What, what do you call it? Uh, a bribe. A bribe. A bribe. Yeah, a bribe. And Rachel Plantinga... Yes, God bless her soul. ...had an opportunity to... To bribe get, us. Yeah, she had... Like, this would be the time... Yep. ...when we would open that thing from her... Like a package, there an envelope. There would be something on the table. Uh, but there it is, is. If you look around the table, do you see any? Do you oh, see on. anything at all that is on the table, Mister Miggity Mac? You mean besides the pile of barbiturates that you put here, the bottle of brandy it's, that I put here? Yeah. No. Oh, and we'll get to my huge pile of barbiturates. Oh my gosh, uh, it's so big. Specifically, Seneca. <laughs> Yeah. Because, Bob Fosse's favorite. Because. He was high as a kite on Seneca for the filming of Druggy of Dougie is one yeah. of my favorite and you people. Know I lo- you know I love me some barbiturates, man. Oh, here. Let me get a handful of them now. Yeah. Oh, I don't oh, think you're supposed are, to snort pills, oh, Doug. I don't oh, think that's a thing. I, I'm taking them every which way I can. Uh, no, but um, we don't have a dang thing from Rachel Planiga. You know, Rachel! Rachel, it's not like you're obligated to give us gifts. You're not obligated. uh, You weren't obligated. Generally. Like, air quotes obligated, but you sort of were. Air quotes weren't. (laughs) Rachel didn't give us a dang thing. 
Which, it doesn't change our vote one nope. way or the other. Oh, and our votes don't even count. But instead of having the non-existent bribe from Rachel planning instead I brought something, Mr. Miggity <gasps> Mac, in celebration of the movie. <gasps> what the ass? <laughs> now you said that twice. You're gonna lose our PG thirteen rating. No, you can say two asses. Oh, oh. we got three of them. <laughs> All right. I got something right here. Uh, Liza Minnelli yes. as Sally Bowles. Yes. In the first five minutes She of, introduces of, a drink. She introduces a drink uh, to Brian Roberts, yes. played by uh, Michael York. And what did she call it again? She called it a... Uh, prairie oyster. A prairie. Now She's see, like, oh, it's a prairie oyster. As a child, a prairie oyster was the removed... Uh, no, you're thinking body. Rocky Mountain oysters. No, though no, no, that's different. These were these were a little different. Prairie oysters were an Oklahoma thing where um, after they had demasculated the lamb, you ate the thingamabobs. However, this is a different prairie oyster. This one is a raw egg yolk and Worcestershire sauce. Yeah, just as she put it, just mushed up together. So you have nice little glasses. I have nice little glasses, and we're gonna have yeah, some. And there's a raw egg in each one. We're gonna have. We're gonna have. Uh, we're gonna have ourselves a uh, a prairie oyster. Now I was saying. So I, I jokingly. Now this is to our listeners, uh, all dozen of you. Uh, that um, there's at least thirteen. There might be a baker's dozen. I had said to Mister Miggity Mac jokingly before we got here. I was like, "Hey, uh, would you like to have some prairie oysters?" And he was like, "Yes." Period. Yes. Yes. And I was like, "Dang it!" No, he I was hoping I would say no. So, uh, so if you crack that into the oh, that's, oh, that's good. It's oh. a good sound. Are you gonna? Are you gonna adjust the yolk? Or are you gonna? No, no. I'm gonna put the whole whole thing, thing in, in the movie. I believe you saw her separating the white from oh, the yolk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, but I think the whole thing is actually. Yeah. So we have now cracked a a a, a little egg into. Uh, into our glass, We're and I've need got a muddler. I've got. Oh, are you going to muddle this? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the quote is: Here. "It's a egg yolk and Worcestershire sauce just smooshed up together." You're going to have to use your finger because I don't. My, I, I'm here. doing it. I'm here, sticking I'm gonna, my. I'll give you the Worcestershire sauce. Yeah. Oh, that's all. Oh, yeah. That's well, good. I like Worcestershire. That's good. How many syllables are in that word? Oh, that's a lot. Oh, this. Why did I? I should not have said that we would do this. All right. Did you want black pepper for this? Oh, yes. Here, just a, I think, a, a little dash. Did he say he got Oh, in in peppermint? his in his version, he said, "Oh, is that peppermint?" And she and she said, "Oh, you've got the toothpaste glass." Oh, that's right. He got the wrong glass. Oh, so. Yeah. All right. Oh, oh, here. Uh let's you know, we let's should take, take a picture. A, well, let's take a picture of this while before we get that. All right. So here we go. Why don't you come on over here this way, Mr. Mr. Miggity Mac. All right. I'm here. We're good. Here we go. We have our photographer, our staff photographer. Yeah. All right. All right. Is that, is that, oh, yeah. That's beautiful. Get a picture of that. Oh, dear. Uh, dear Lord, what have I done? All righty. Oh. Here we go. Are you ready for this? Yep. Little Here clink. we go. A little clink. It's one shot. Glass. It's a shot. And. Oh, that's not. Oh, that's actually good. Oh, yeah. I actually enjoyed that. That was actually quite tasty. Oh. The things I do for love. Oh. <laughs> 
So here's the thing about raw eggs. You need to just swallow it fast and not think about what you if have I, in your mouth. If you chewed it, it would be something else. Oh, no, else. that's different. Yeah. That's, no, that's a whole different oh. thing. All yeah. right. Prairie oysters down. A little brandy to clear the palate. Mm. Mm. Oh, brandy. Thank goodness they had brandy in that movie. All righty, then. If both of us get sick, I apologize in advance. I'm not going to get sick. Yeah. Woo-hoo! All right. Dokey. Let's chat about uh, let's chat about our take on the movie itself. All right. Okay. Uniqueness, first topic. Yeah. Um, so this movie is based on a musical, which is based on a book, and uh, this isn't the first musical that Pantheon has reviewed. As we were chatting, no. "Singing in the Rain" was in there. Um, so, question for you: How is this film unique? I think one of the ways this film is unique is the topics that it takes on. You know, we talked earlier this year about The Wall, which is uh, arguably, and actually not even arguably, it's a musical movie. But it's not a musical. It is a music-based movie. But even so, and it had some risky, edgy topics involved, drug addiction, drug abuse, uh, uh, mental illness, and others. But this one deals with a lot of real-life events that were happening, real-life issues that were happening in the time period that the story set, which is late 30s. You had the rise of Nazi Germany, the Nazi party. You had anti-Semitism going on. You had uh, what should be kind of a hidden undertone within the society of homosexuality, bisexuality, or even sexual kind of, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Ambiguity. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sexual ambiguity. People who you're not really sure. You had transvestites. Not transvestites. You had cross-dressers. You had... Uh, and in one of the topics that I think kind of gets glossed over, and I, let a, I read a lot of articles about the movie, one of the topics was hiding your, your true identity to avoid uh, uh, prosecution or negative, yeah. Yeah, negative yeah. elements. You had the character, the, the guy who fancied himself to be a gigolo, who was Jewish, but was living as a Protestant Christian because it, it gave him access to wealthy women. And then when he finally met a wealthy Jewish woman, he came out, which I thought was kind of a cool twist on, you know, we think come out means a very specific thing. He came out as a Jew and ends up marrying the girl, which is amazing, right? Now, we, as the viewer, knowing the historical significance of this, right, they... uh, this is 1931. Yeah. And he's coming out as Jewish in Germany. Yes. And... He's like they're likely going to end up at some sort of concentration camp, or or out of the country, or for leave sure. the country, or they leave the country. She was a baroness and yeah. a very wealthy, and they probably, if he was going to come out and marry someone as as a as a she Jewish has the man, money to leave. This is the one. Yeah, <laughs> if she was like a storekeep's daughter, he was risking his life. He wouldn't have known at the time, but he was risking his life. In this case, you know. I would say another element of uniqueness to this film is that it is, uh, and people have chatted about this in various documentaries uh, and such, is that this film changes the nature of how musicals are approached. Yep. Moving away from Sweet Charity is a big Broadway musical that was put on film with the the dancers and the whatnot. Yeah, sometimes uh, the lyrics of the story are the music. Not just... 
the music tells the story yeah. of the story, but, As, like, the, the dialogue stops, and yeah. they have dialogue in music, and where, then they move forward. Where, where they're just sitting there, and they're like, today I'm going to have some sandwiches. What kind of sandwiches shall you have? I'm thinking about ham sandwiches. Oh, ham is not good for you. Blah, 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 blah. Not my favorite kind of musical, by the way. Yes. This, as a, as opposed to that model of musical, right. takes a show that's going on. Mm-hmm. So all of the... So uh, most all of the songs, minus one, are in the cabaret, part mm-hmm. of a show. They're part of a natural element of what's happening. So the songs are not unnatural. Right. And then the song that doesn't happen in the cabaret is being sung at a festival. In so a beer garden. It's yeah. still, it, it, it still is not somebody's breaking into song as dialogue, but they're... They're singing as part of a natural part of a festivities. Right. So all of the songs are natural. You would expect there to be music at the point where that song is happening. Yeah, so you take that as well as on top of... So you, you have all the songs are natural, and then the that it is now very adult content. Yeah. So this is a... So Cabaret was kind of a shift, a paradigm shift, in how to approach musicals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's something Fosse did. He 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 pioneered the paradigm shift in the type of dancing that was done in musicals and Broadway plays. He he had the paradigm shift in the way that characters were developed and I think in the they, way that movies. I think were they done. did the same thing with Chicago. Yes. Later, I I'll be honest. I haven't seen it yet, and, and I ought to see it. But mm-hmm. from what I understand, a similar approach was done with yeah. that. Um, so, any are there any specific challenges? with this movie and this type of movie when it comes to a Pantheon review? One is that because the topics are very of the time and also even though they were on the edge of being socially inappropriate, by today's standards they were pretty tame. Yeah. I mean, a movie about a guy who's exploring his sexuality and a girl who's a dancer or singer wants to be a big performer and isn't yet and maybe never will be. Uh, that's not exactly. Yeah, and I would say like the flip edgy. side of that is that, um, and I don't know if this is the case, but if anybody had any issues with any of the things that came up in the movie, that's the other and were part. on the council and had to review the movie yeah. and said, I don't feel comfortable watching this movie There's because the of these things. There's the part. I think that, and I don't know about the council members ex- specifically, but I do know my wife mentioned it. And when I spoke to a couple of other friends, just mentioned this movie, that everybody had, in one way or another, expressed uh, negative negative feelings about the movie. And when I kind of pushed them about it a little bit, it always came back to, I mean, well, they casually are talking about this topic or this yeah. topic. Like, is that, the game? is that the gay mu- musical movie? Right, or, or if I watch this that movie, will it make me or, gay? Yeah. You know that kind of a question. And I say, it won't make you gay. No. You're probably already, already there. Gay. You just haven't come out. Yeah. Brad. Well, I mean, wait, I'm sorry. What? Did I, I, I Where let did that, that slip from? I don't even know. That's weird. All right. So, <laughs> as a deep... <laughs> It's a deep dig on this uh, on this movie. Uh, Bill Wheat. So shout out to AV uh, Adventure and Videolander Bill Wheat, who said, "I've always found it interesting that it's not our original thoughts on seeing the movie, but often the latest reviewing that helps make the decision for Pantheon or not." Personally, I feel 
that how a movie affects me on first viewing is how I most remember the film and experience and rewatching them to judge them now puts it through a microscope of changing attitudes. I don't say this because I often disagree with what does or does not make Pantheon, but rather to possibly suggest another discussion if you haven't already. What movie got accolades or was record-breaking that you now look back on as inferior to its recognition? Oh, I could make enemies on the council if I answer that question honestly. <laughs> now, uh, I, I actually responded to this oh, personally. What did you say, Triple D? I said, The English Patient. <laughs> 1996, The English Patient, which received uh, nine Academy Awards. Uh, Cabaret got eight. Not yeah. Best Picture, no. but it got eight. Actually, Cabaret is the number one movie yeah. for a number of Academy Awards without Best Picture. Yeah, but uh, but The English Patient got nine of them. And this is around the time when I was graduating college and getting uh, my, like, I, I think it was Columbia House uh, was like a movie sure. club yeah, thing. Yeah, movie club. And like they, they said, like, here, like pick the pick the movies you want, and then we'll throw in a couple extra. And here's the here the one here are some of the extras that you can pick. And I I was like, oh, the English Patient. That's, That's got a lot of awards. I haven't seen it. It's got a lot of awards. And a friend of mine and a friend of mine told me that there was full frontal in it. So Woo! yeah, full frontal. Yeah, car crashes. Uh, yeah, there was uh, like a topiary bush oh. uh, of sorts so oh. was being oh, like trimmed there. like a garden there. being trimmed That's up. Right. Um, got the movie, and what a snooze fest that yeah. was. Oh. And like, I don't know how the conversation came up, but I was chatting with some college friends. I was like, well, and we, I have the English patient. They're like, you got it too? I was like, what'd you think? I was like, horrible. And they're all like, worst movie ever. <laughs> So the Englishman that went up a hill and came down a mountain, yeah. for some reason, not in the same genre as The English Patient, for some reason, when I think of The English Patient, I can't separate it from that movie because they're both boring as hell. Yeah. But that's just me. Hey, what do you want? Do you want? Any other movies that come to mind as being like very well revered or got accolades, but uh, it really wasn't something that, that sat well. Yeah. Uh, any, anything that comes to mind? I mean, like, there's movies that people joke about, like Crash. I is one that people never like. liked the Music Man, Singing in the Rain, or many of those other musicals. Really? Where oh, the like storyline goes with the words they're singing. Sure. I love the dance scenes, don't get me wrong. Those are fun. But the movie itself... Eh, it wasn't your thing. Nah. Yeah. I felt like they were kind of... Yeah. But, but I know... That people love them, and I understand why people love them. But th I'm not one of those people. Yeah, um, like you're just spitballing another movie. I think that I watched uh, was Itu Ma like Itu Mama Tambien. Wow, uh, haven't seen that one. Yeah, uh, and that that one very much very similar to Cabaret explores uh, sexuality and uh, yeah. bisexuality sure. and that sort of stuff. But um, like. I, it, I was okay with the movie, but I was like, people were raving about this movie. And I, I like, there was a disparity between me saying, yeah, I thought the movie was okay, mm -hmm. between that and people going, this is the best movie ever. Right. Think about this. The Birdcage was remade. La Caja Faux was remade as The Birdcage with Robin Williams and... Uh, Nathan Lane. Nathan Lane. If those two comedians, actors, had not been cast... 
would it have been as good as it was? The baseline story of Lakajafo, not exactly like a fantastic storyline. It's not even exploring sexuality. It's just exploring a lifestyle that happens to include two gay men that live together and work together and, and produce together. But it, it, it's it's not like it, it's not yeah. getting on the edge of something that makes you think. This movie does, Cabaret does, makes you think about it. Yeah, and I would say like so. And the next thing I was going to say is any big thoughts or overarching observations. And yeah. I'll start on that is that um, so for me, one of the things that I liked about Cabaret was not Cabaret itself, but what it prompted me to think about. That's right. Where I was going. Um, like. I was like, oh, I should know more about the Weimar Republic historical era mm-hmm. era in Germany. I should know more about the the uh, club culture. I I should like I and I thought more about musicals and the way that they had shifted, right. uh, or about like who Bob Fosse was and what he did. Uh, there was a lot of interesting things that that made me just kind of like explore yep. or read about uh, and think about, and that was interesting, apart from the movie, right. Well, the fact that that FX movie series, actually yeah. it's a series, just came out with Fosse Vernon, that, that, that that's very timely, considering the nomination. I actually think that yeah. somebody mentioned that in, on the nomination on, on Facebook, that it was timely. But um, uh, the one of the things that really kind of got me, and it was the, the moment in the movie, the first time I viewed it again this week, uh, was the, uh, if you saw her like I saw her. Right, you yeah. see her through my eyes. That yep. song that uh, that the MC sings, and he's singing it with. You can't tell at first it's a female, but she turns around. She's wearing an ape costume. That's right. And he's, you know, if you see her the way I see her, you would understand why I love yeah. her. And it's very, it's very like tongue in cheek. It is like I, I'm, I'm in love with this ape. An ape. And and, and the, you should see her like I her. But then the very, the very last line, yeah. which when this was a Broadway play. One of the co-directors, I think, insisted this line be changed. Uh, but I want to touch on that in a second. But at the very last line was, if you saw her the way I see her... She wouldn't, she wouldn't look, look Jewish look, at she, all. She wouldn't look Jewish at all. And and so some people are like, wait, he's calling Jews apes. No. song was written by a Jewish man. The music was written by a Jewish man. It's being performed... By a Jewish man, and and on the Broadway play, the director, the producer, and uh, the stage manager were all Jewish as well. Now, in the context of the movie, that this happens, uh, so this is we are watching the rise of the Nazi Party throughout the movie, and this yes. is towards the end. Yes, and this is now when when we have watched kind of the public per, the public sentiment shift in Germany towards. More and more open anti-Semitism. Open. Like so on the street, there's the a dead kit, guy in a pool of blood. The Kit Kat Club is kind of buying into selling this to their patrons. Uh, and you can't tell if it's being sarcastic, sardonic, or if it's being kind of a wink and a nod yep. to the clientele. So, like, and that's the ambiguity right. is all part of how the Kit Kat Club works. Well, and the, and the clientele <clears throat>, laughs at the line. Yeah. But I think, from my point of view, uh, especially with the performance of the MC, uh, this is amazing, uh, and and he got uh, uh, best supporting actor for that, uh, but or yeah, best supporting actor. 
But um, but it was clear to me, even Winks, after he says it, that he was sticking his finger in the eye of their anti-Semitic uh, mindset of the time. And sure. it wasn't the only thing that he did that did that. There was the uh, the Two Girls song, uh, Two Women, right? Yep. Uh, which it was all this dancing and moving around and stuff. And you really didn't notice, unless you really focused, that it was actually two guys cross-dressed yeah. as women. And then later you see the MC come out. Actually, don't, I didn't realize it was him at first until he leans into the camera. But there, it's a it's a it's a double chorus line of nineteen twenties, yeah, uh, leather clad, a skimpy dress. Uh, half of them are men dressed as women, half are women. Uh, they were constantly like sticking their finger in the eye. I, I'll use that phrase again. Of 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 their own audience members. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I like that. I thought that was kind of cool. As as a big thought, and, and this is something that I just wanted to um, touch on for a second. Yeah, is that in the review of Young Frankenstein that I had read from Nathan Plantinga, mm-hmm. that he had posted that he had mentioned something about that he felt for himself that movies that got into pantheon had to have some sort of uh, social relevance or social commentary. Now, granted, Cabaret has tons of it. Oh gosh! Yeah. Uh, and I had I had posted fused with it. I had posted to that comment itself, uh, boiling it down to ask the question: Is it a necessary precondition for Pantheon mm-hmm. movies to address social commentary or have right. social rele- relevance? Right. Right. Um, any thoughts on whether or not you think that that's a precondition for what you would consider Pantheon. I personally would say no, just because that says that any movie that's just for entertainment purposes, like it's an entertainment-based, yeah, it's not a social commentary, you might read it in there, but it wasn't intended, couldn't possibly be Pantheon. And I think that that's not right. Yeah. But I have heard two people say that, yes, that without some sort of social relevance, social commentary... Or it should, or it should at least resonate today. Yes, yeah, I'll even stretch and say resonate with the time it was made. Okay. Um, then uh, that the can't get in. And I can understand why somebody believes that. I just don't happen to agree with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to throw that out there The uh, just <clears throat> yeah. as part of the discussion. That... I think it's a fair discussion because, you know, when we talked about, for example, uh, a letter to Zachary, you know, there was a lot of of uh, uh, not just social commentary, but but relevance to what was happening at the time when that movie was made. Yeah. It was a resounding drum thumping, thumping, thumping. It's So it's not baked into the description of what Pantheon is. Like if you right. read through the rules, that it's right. not it's not one it's not like number five must have social relevance and to be social commentary. Right. That is a personal preference of the judge or the council yes. member bringing it in there. And I think it's a fair judgment if they feel like that's a fair judgment. If that's their thing. You know, for me, the movie needs to make me feel like I can, for at least part of the movie, be drawn in and be one of the characters. I have to be drawn into the movie. I've mentioned this before. If I'm not drawn into the movie to experience the movie as a character, I'm not going to enjoy the movie ever. All right. Well, let's walk through the movie itself. All right. Uh, just to, and, and we can get through standout moments as we go through sure. the categories. Sure, sure. Uh, if we broke this down category by category, we'll start with acting. All right. Acting and casting. What would you think? So I thought that uh, more than ha- more than half of the actors really nailed their parts. Not all, 
un, probably an unpopular view, but uh, I don't think that uh, 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 Michael York. No, Liza Minnelli. Liza Minnelli. I was. I cannot get out of my head the phrase Millie Vanilli when I think of Liza Minnelli, sure. and so it's just stuck in my head. All right, we'll call her Millie Vanilli. Millie Vanilli. I, I'm not, uh, you know, I know she won an award, but uh, I don't, I, I just see a person almost pretending to be themselves in the movie. You know I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the same page where yeah. I, I go, this is probably her best role. As herself. As herself. Yeah. But like, and um, I, so I get what the character is supposed to be and I like what the I character, I, I, I like what the conception of the character is, yeah. but um I could take or leave her acting. Yeah. yeah. Of it. Uh, yeah. Any any other, any other notes about acting? Uh, Michael York. Michael York, I thought, you know, he, he, he was given one of the driest, most boring characters. Yeah. Except for his walk on the wild side with the Duke, or the whatever his name was. But, um, but uh, I thought that the MC was fabulous. Yeah, he's a standout moment for me that, and he does not have any other lines that are, are, are out of character. He doesn't nope. have... He all of his lines are as the MC, as the MC, not as the guy who is the MC. He's either singing or speaking in sing song to the audience members. Now, in a little way, you can say he kind of had a leg up on that because he played the exact same role for years yeah. on Broadway. But who else would you cast there besides is that guy? One second of the film that is dedicated to showing what he's like when he's not the MC, and when that's that? during the. That's during Liza, Liza, Liza Minnelli, Millie Vanilli's song. <laughs> Millie uh, Vanilli. Maybe this time, when she's saying, "Maybe this time I won't be a loser, okay. and I'll be a winner." Yeah. That in uh, about two thirds of the way through the song, that they pan from backstage. They show her singing on stage, and they show the MC. Yeah, he's back. He's yeah. just sitting there, kind of like, just smoking a cigarette. Alone by himself, sad clown kind off, of the off sa- stage. He's the sad clown off stage. Yeah, right. That's the only time we get to see him yeah. out of character. And I saw a painting as a kid. Now that I think about it, I do remember that scene because it popped this painting in my head. I saw a painting as a child. It might be a famous painting. I don't remember, but uh, or I don't know. But it was a clown sitting behind a circus tent, and there were hay bales on both sides, and like a pig or something eating next to him, and he's just smoking a cigarette. Just sitting there looking, yeah. you know, forlorn. He's the sad clown. It's it's what do clowns do when they're not on stage? What, yeah. <laughs> what, what what is it from Watchmen? Paglia, Paglioni or uh, the uh, it's the the comedian, mm. right? Is the uh, like uh, yeah. You should see a great clown. And he's like, but I am that great clown. Right? Yeah, like that one. Um, there was one thing that I had read, and I did a deep dive, and I, I won't go into all of this stuff, because you, you told me in conversation previous that the audience who's listening to us won't care about this stuff, and I agree <laughs> I agree with you, but oh, I... I think some of them will. I, I did read several uh, academic articles that were dedicated to unpacking the femi- uh, feminist critique of oh. Cabaret. Oh, go oh, on! Go on! <laughs> um, but... In one of those pieces that I had read, and this is by Linda Mizajewski, uh, entitled Women, Monsters, and the Masochistic Aesthetic in Fosse's Cabaret, yeah. that she had talked about this concept of the audience as an unspoken character in the film. The audience in the cabaret. 
They and are. We don't always think of them as a character, no, but, but the audience are. is a character. And, and we are in them. And the camera is placed in the audience yes. as we are part of the audience watching the cabaret. And uh, that Fosse had got, went out to get, uh, sent his production assistants to get uh, hookers and yeah, prostitutes off the street. to fill in the audience so mm-hmm. that like they looked like regular folk that were kind of dis- distorted and uh, mm-hmm. and gross. Uh, um but that the audience is in this way distorted because they use the mirror to show the distortion of the audience. Yeah, there's a very shiny brass uh, mirror on one wall, copper, I guess, shiny, shiny, silver, shiny, full of dents yeah. and stuff, and uh, but bubbles, bubble. Yeah, the surface is not smooth; it's curved, and and it looks like someone's been at it with a hammer. It might even be, it might actually even be a big gong or something yeah. like that. And uh, across the time frame of the movie, in the beginning, you see very few, not even military uniforms or formal attire. It's just a regular audience, but it's grotesque yes, to begin kind with. of odd. And, and then the, the curvatures change it. And then as yeah. the movie goes on, more and more often you see someone wearing a Nazi party armband or yeah. in just in a military uniform. Until the end of the movie when when more they pan, when they go across that distorted mirror yeah. and you see the audience is more more than half more than half Nazis are wearing Nazi armbands. But the audience is still this distorted distorted and it and it's kind of a critique of the audience being and you, morally responsible yes. for the rise of the Nazis. And every time that happens by the way you actually see the MC's face in this mirror then panning across, either the MC leaves the scene or it pans across, so you see the audience instead. And he's he's basically that's a commentary on the change yeah. across the time frame of the movie of their audience base and of Germany. Yeah, and, and um, so uh, I don't. I'll say it here because like I, I don't know where else to put it is that they one of the characters in this movie is the context of this movie of the Weimar Republic. In Germany, mm-hmm. which is this uh, roaring twenties time in Germany, where everybody was was uh, um, dealing with massive shifts in the economy. Where this is the time where people would have money, and the next day uh, that that money would be worthless. Uh, uh, like bread would go from one mark to a billion marks, and yeah. people were using marks to paper to wallpaper their walls because mm-hmm. they were worthless. So people were using the money that they would have. That they weren't sure was going to be worthless tomorrow, so they'd go to the bar and spend it uh, because you know eat and drink to tomorrow we value. die. Yeah. Uh, so that money built the cabaret system. Yeah. Uh, but then in '29 the stock market crashes. U.S. pulls back their their support. You have a, a, a you have the Weimar Republic has built up this kind of cultural decadence yeah. and an artistic movement and and club movement. Europeans were traveling to Germany to experience this environment because it didn't exist even in France and England. And, at the time. Yeah, rise of liberalism, yeah. rise of homosexuality, but. Uh, by this time in 1931, the money had run dry. They'd built up this beautiful shell, but there was nothing underneath it. Yeah. And that's kind of the whole metaphor of cabaret is that it's a beautiful shell. And don't look too hard because it's gross. Right. Underneath. And, and the lyrics of the music under- tell you all of this. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Liza um, Millie Vanilli sings a song 
where she talks about how much fun she's going to have and how she's going to spend all of her time with you and how she's going to love you and you're going to enjoy your time. But when it's over, it's over. Goodbye. So yeah. sorry. See you later. I'm yeah. done with you. You're out. So what do you think about the directing of this film? So I actually thought that the film was directed well. I, I like uh, I like Fosse's approach to this movie. Um, this was only his second. His director, directorial debut we talked about earlier, Sweet Charity, didn't do well. And it nearly sank Universal Pictures. But uh, they did give him another chance on a limited budget. Uh, after this movie, he went on to direct two additional hits, All That Jazz and Lenny. So now, I, I, like, yeah. I feel like he hit his stride, though, in this movie. Because Lenny and All That Jazz were not to this level. No, no. Um, I did like elements of the direction, the juxtaposition. Where you like the guys smacking each other in the face? Well, I like the smacking each other in the face juxtaposed <laughs> with the Nazis beating the guy. Beating the guy up, Or right? the juxtaposition of, of that they'll sing songs here, but then other things are happening here. I thought it was kind of cool when they would like be, there'd be like be a scene and, and they'd say, okay, we're going to go do a thing. I don't remember the exact scene. And then all of a sudden it would cut... To the cabaret, there's the MC's face up close going, you know, welcome, and then they would do yeah. a little little bit of a song, and then back to the scene. It felt to me a lot like, for some reason, the cabaret show ran 24-7, whether, uh, whether all the other characters were there or not. Um, it didn't. It was a show, so it would run like... But they made it feel like, at any moment in time, if you just need to pick me up, Drop into the cabaret, there'd be something going on. So the phrase that pays for this movie is disorientation. I and agree. you get that in the direction of the film. Yep. Where, um, and I said this to you earlier, is that, like, I wasn't sure if I liked the film or not because it felt to me, uh, and, and uh, Dr. Diamond Dog and Mr. Miggity Mac are yeah. a little bit different in how we approach... How we approach uh, watching movies. Watching movies, life in general, the... the uh, the uh, how we approach drinking libations uh-huh. that I like a more reserved approach and that like you're not crazy but you like you, that you that that you'll enjoy yourself more than I will. Let's just say I have already finished one bottle of brandy and I'm halfway through your bottle of brandy yeah. and you're on your second glass. All that said is that for me that I like to uh, that if I'm going to drink that I like to not past the point of feeling drunk at all for me personally right. but this movie felt like those times where I did uh, pull a Gary and go <laughs> <laughs> you've gone past that point <laughs> go to the fun place where I'm not sure if it's fun anymore but like it's crazy yeah uh, so but there was a lot of elements in the direction that felt almost drunkenly in yeah, how they approached you. it you know what I'm saying yeah I mean even Liza Vanelli at the end even Millie Vanilli's character at the end sang a song about how you know, she knew somebody who was uh, just, you know, had a great big life and a great big story and a great big everything and died great big on yeah. a drug overdose and alcohol or whatever. And I want to go out like her. And she decided that this life is short and she wants to go out just like her. And the, the whole movie kind of felt like, at times to me, it was already on that trip. Yeah. She was on that road. What did you feel about the cinematography, locations, and how it was filmed? I actually enjoyed it. The only, you know, the only parts of the locations that yeah, I you, didn't enjoy. You had like, it was all filmed in Munich, and then yeah. you had the club, you had the apartment. The, the, the apartment, you had the mansion, you had the the beer garden, the beer garden, and then like there traveling, some traveling scenes. scenes and car yeah. scenes. But mostly, it was done, I think, very well, uh, especially with given the limited budget that he was offered. Yeah, you know, you know, he couldn't exactly do massive sets. 
the the stage itself uh and you commented on the size of the stage actually representing an element of the story um but the the, the size of the stage was small for a reason not only was the kit kat club small but it was small I think because that's the budget that he had. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and they gave him eight million bucks to make the movie. Another element of the cinematography that was interesting to me was the playing between artificial and natural light. Yeah, exactly. So like this was also the dichotomy of like the this is the pretend world and the real world. Yeah, um, and the pretend world was this cabaret. Uh, show life as a cabaret mm-hmm. inside, but then you had like the real world outside. The real world was so <laughs> in the cabaret, things were ugly but pretend pretty. Right in the wor- real world, you had natural light and things were like things that were ugly were thought, actually ugly. You thought like it should be pretty, but things were ugly. I mean, there's dead bodies and the, there's a communist who just got killed in the street. Yeah, there's the Nazis at the beer garden. There's the guy passing out papers. Trying to get you to read their newspaper. There's the 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 rich guy who then has an affair with both uh, Brian Roberts and, and Sally Bowles. Wait, there's a dude that sleeps with a chick and a dude. Yeah, where wow. And Liza says screw like screw Max, and she's like, or, or Brian says screw Max, and and then she's she like, says, I did. I did, and he says, I did too. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, so I thought that was interesting as well. How about this? I thought the camera, you mentioned this before, but placing the camera in the audience to make us an audience member, even when the MC leans down, it's like he's leaning down to us. Yeah. To yeah. pick us. Like, he had a habit of picking one person out of the audience and picking on them. Sometimes he'd been landing in their laps. And it felt like, as, you a, were as there. a viewer, you were there. Yeah. What did you think about cool. the screenplay or the story? Well, you know, it wasn't his story, right? So. He was, he was, it's an adaptation of a book that had already been done as a Broadway play for a long time, actually. And so, you know, I liked it. It had been, it had been refined and revised. He was, in picking a screenplay, he picked a safe one. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't something new. Well, he didn't pick it. That well, was Cy Fuhrer's yeah, story it, that he had. He, like, yeah. he was looking for a director and hired Bob. And Bob Fosse said, I want to do it. I want to do it. My point is that. You know, one thing about Broadway plays is, you know, they, they have a soft opening or they have an off-Broadway opening and then an on-Broadway opening, and they develop and modify that storyline over time. Um, and so he had a developed, modified storyline. And I know that it wasn't identical to the play, and it definitely wasn't identical to the book. The Broadway play, the characters were flipped. Uh, she was British and he was American. Yeah. Uh, uh, and some of the other elements were changed. But but really, honestly, he worked with a, a proven formula. So I, I thought that was fine. Now, what about... So for this, uh, no, normally we'd ch- chat about special effects. Right. But I think that we can also chat about choreography. Yeah. And in, you know, this ele- like his, in this element. His dance style is legendary. Yeah. You can see Fosse's uh, elements and stuff in modern day movies and modern dance all the time. You could watch a bunch of hip-hop dancers... As a as a team, as a squad dancing, and you're going to see little bits and pieces no. of stuff from Fosse. Whether one, it's one could argue knees. that uh, that his style was also an amalgam of his and Grace Verdon's style, which I is would say the, that's the true. TV show talks about. And by the way, they were inspired by the singing in the rains and the other all yeah. of the greats. Um, but he had developed some of his own elements: the turned in knees, the jazz Hats. hands. Working with hats, the, because the sideways he, yeah. shuffle and the shoulder rolls, those were fossy. Yeah. And in fact, I mentioned Birdcage earlier, uh, and there's a scene in the Birdcage where 
uh, Robin Williams is saying, you know, these are the things we're going to incorporate into this performance. It's this, this, Fosse, 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 and he moves on and on and on. He does yeah. like three different Fosse moves in a row that are that are stereotypical or, yeah. or no, like Fosse. Rolled shoulders, rolled shoulders the, the, the hand, over. hand movements. Where jazz hands, which jazz. even in every cheer performance I've ever seen since... Uh, bring it on has jazz hands, jazz which is hands crazy. and spirit fingers. They <laughs> <laughs> call it spirit fingers. Um, so the uh, in terms of just uh, any other notes on the film that we had sort of mentioned this before that it has eight. It was nominated for ten and yep. won eight Academy Awards. Eight of them, everything but Best Picture. Yeah, um, that uh, there was other fun moments in the film that I thought Brian Roberts. Uh, Standing next to a transvestite who was peeing in the urinal, and he had to take, <laughs> he had to take a peek. <laughs> yeah, he that looks was over. fun. Um, that the uh, uh, Sally Bowles uh, telegraphing the word de- decadence uh, in in the beginning as the yep. metaphor for the film itself. Yep. I also we haven't mentioned it, but I did like them taking the songs and telegraphing the motions of the story through the songs you have to kind of go back and read the lyrics of the songs to kind of really get into what right. was going on the interplay right. between the story and the songs yeah uh but uh, but but that was pretty fantastic you know she, uh, uh Liza Minnelli's character singing this song about uh you know she'll she'll play for a while she'll it'll be a great old time but when she's done she's done and she's moving on and yet uh, uh Bull's character still thinks he's going to uh, take her back to England, and she's going to live as the wife of a professor at uh, at the university. And she's like, <laughs> uh, "No, nah, maybe you weren't paying attention to earlier on." But yeah, yeah. And then she ends up uh, say that that because he can't do it and call it off, that she goes ahead and has the abortion to end the relationship because yeah. she's going. She is she's bought fully into what the cabaret is about. Yeah, and she's going to live that life. For and sure. It, and in fact, uh, a quote from one of her songs, you'll never turn the vinegar to jam. When I'm done, toodaloo. I mean, you know, sh- she's pretty clearly saying yeah. uh, what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so one of the things in the film, and uh, let's we can move into the voting <laughs> and voting, sure. uh, t- chatting about the voting here. Uh, Rachel Planinga, uh, in her write-up, had mentioned that... Um, the majority of the story is told through song, and uh, at the Kit Kat Club, the only song that isn't performed at the cabaret is Tomorrow Belongs to Me, which is an eerie foreshadowing of the coming Nazi wave, a sad reminder of how easily people are influenced. Most of the storytelling at the cabaret is done by the Master of Ceremonies. She goes on and says that I think Fosse and Fire do an incredible job of really taking you out of the horrors we know of the Holocaust and kind of throwing you headfirst into it when you least expect it. Mm. And I would have to say that one of the, probably the the biggest standout moments of the film is Tomorrow Belongs to Me, which starts with a, this this very uh, pastoral, uh, nice song right. that the kid is singing. Yes. And that it moves, as, as the people are listening to it, it moves and t- becomes militaristic. Yep. Um, it, it, got it, this Germany <laughs> jingoistic kind of 
of uh, 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 almost a, like they're making a cultural yeah. ballad moving uh, forward. If you would allow me, yeah. uh, can I tickle your fancy? Please. And, and uh, I have the lyrics here. Uh, the uh, <laughs> the uh, and, and I'll sing you a few bars. If okay. That, can I do that for you? Please. Uh, so it says... The sun on the meadow is summery warm. The stag in the forest runs free. But gather together to greet the storm. Tomorrow belongs to me. And it goes on and on. Uh, but then at the end, it's... Oh, fatherland, fatherland, show us the sign your children have waited to see. The morning will come when the world is mine. <laughs> Tomorrow belongs to me. And then, like, all the Oompa German stuff is going on with yeah, the crashing symbols. By this point in the song, there were maybe a hundred people at this picnic in the beer garden-ish. Yeah. And it starts off with this sweet, blonde yeah. boy, by the way, wearing a Nazi youth uniform. Well, you don't see that first <laughs> until they pan down. <laughs> and down. You and see his like, hair. You're like, oh, he's... You see his I was eyes. Like, at first, you're like, he's really blonde. And I'm oh. like, I bet he's a Nazi. I bet he's Wait, a Nazi. Nope, on. he's a blonde, Nazi. <laughs> blue eyes. Then you see the neckerchief, which, which, yeah. which, by the way, as a child, when I was first given my first Boy Scout neckerchief in metal, uh, brass metal uh, uh, neckerchief yeah. uh, clasp, I thought... This looks oddly familiar to books I've seen in school. Anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry, Boy Scouts. But uh, you see the neckerchief that he wears, and I went, oh, it's a Nazi youth. And he's got the tan uniform and the armband. And the uh, if, he, if he kept panning down further, yeah. he would have seen the knife on his hip. But anyway, as he's singing away, yeah. Yeah. But by the end of the song, it's not just this one boy. It's... Almost, almost everyone except for one the one guy, old dude, who's like pulling his hat down. He's like, "This is baloney." <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep it PG thirteen. <laughs> it's uh, bull hockey. All right, so um, uh, I just wanted to mention that, and, and Rachel does a nice write up in terms of the reason that 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 she likes this as well. Right. Um, going through that, and if you haven't read it, I encourage you to read. Uh, read what you read what she said also I'll note that in the nomination post that a number of people voted no right away and that Rachel right said please watch the movie again yeah. before you vote no and vote no all you want but watch the movie again yeah now uh, this to which mo- some people responded with dear God don't make me watch <laughs> this movie again. Uh, this movie, you have to go. You have to kind of. You have to rent this movie because I don't think you can find it on Netflix or I Amazon looked Prime. Looked and looked and looked. I found a really, really <clears throat> horrible version of it on YouTube, broken into two or three pieces, and refused to watch it. And I waited till I found a DVD of it. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, so let's walk down what we think the council's going to say. All right, let's go down. So I would say that uh, while I did have to ponder Rachel's vote for uh, all of about like two two microseconds. I'd go with a yes. Are there any other yeses that you would say from the council? This is not... I was told that potentially Nathan would also say yes. Uh, Brad Hawkins. I am fairly certain that this movie is right up his alley. (laughs) Directly. This man probably, if you can get him to watch the movie... Would fall in love. In you a think heartbeat. so? Yes. I'm gonna go the other way, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna say that 
uh, he's expressed that he's a little tentative on musicals he's to begin hard on with. No. And he is a hard on no. no. Okay. Uh, All right. Uh, the I guest voter. I think it's voter. just a hard no. Oh, I'm sorry. What yeah. did I say? What yeah. did I say? I, I don't remember, but yeah. Uh, the guest voter. Here's the thing. You said you thought, if I can reveal this, you said you thought the guest voter was a no. I actually think the guest voter will be a yes. You do? Brian Steele? I, I do. I do. Brian surprises me with what he does and doesn't like. I don't he, second. He likes, like, I don't. He likes uh, DC films. Well, I don't second guess what he does. That's what I've gathered like. from from watching AV. But here's Facebook, the thing: is that he, he seems likes, to like things I'm surprised by. Oh, and I think this might be one. Okay. So we'll find out. We'll find out based on what he says. Uh, the Facebook <clears throat> vote is already uh, pretty overwhelmingly no. However, no. However, there are. 29 as of the, this recording haven't seen who it. haven't seen it yet and there might be a couple of those who vote yes but i think the overwhelming majority will probably go no it's almost two to one usually no the facebook yes yeah I, I don't mean to jump on no no jump over good. your words usually the facebook poll is yes usually usually but currently this facebook poll similar to Zier, dear zachary yeah is 13 no two to one seven yes yeah Two need to rewatch a whole bunch of people I haven't seen. So some of the people uh, that are on the council have made a comment here or there or whatever to already indicate that they may very well be a no, um, but they so also haven't rewatched. You're over it, so. under. What's your numbers there? Out of the eleven, uh, I think the top end is three yeses. Okay, and I would say two. Okay, two like two yeses, nine, and they need seven. We yeah. didn't mention this before, but they need seven, seven to, out of eleven. Yeah, to pass. Yeah, so there are nine council members that are voting. There's a Facebook a poll. Facebook poll, though the 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 winner of the Facebook poll, yes no, counts as one, so that would be ten total. And then there's a guest voter that makes eleven. You need two thirds majority or seven basically. So we're both saying it's either three or two for yes. We're kind of calling this one as a no. That's our guess. That's our guess. Uh, we had guessed the same for Life Aquatic, and we were massively wrong. But I don't. We wrong. So wrong. So wrong. And that was because we were blinded by the fact that we fell asleep three times watching that movie. Well, you did. I I, I, I fell asleep watching. That I movie. yeah. Um. So uh, so we're, we're guessing that it's gonna we we are if our bet is that it's no yes uh, but we have yet to see what it what it will be and I just voted I voted on the Facebook poll just now all right have you I'm doing that right now as we speak all right are you gonna well, reveal your vote yeah you go ahead what did you vote I, I did vote no but I'll tell you why I voted no I, I don't care what the other Facebook poll uh, members say, and and uh, like that isn't that isn't that doesn't uh, affect me. Remember going back to is this the the pinnacle the the exemplar yeah. of musicals to make uh, to make uh, Pantheon, and I believe the answer is no. Could I name one right now, like on the spot? No, but I know. Well, yes, actually, yes. The Sound of Music would be a pinnacle uh, musical to be a part of sure. Pantheon. But uh, but this isn't one. And I think that part of the reason why is just because um, uh, uh, the topics, I think, 
are, while they're trying to be very edgy, and I think one of the other reviewers said it it's not as serious as it thinks it is, the topics think they're very edgy and they're talking about, uh, you know, uh, uh, hard, hard things that people should look at and face and rethink. That's not current. And if we looked at a movie that was fantastic in the 60s, but the special effects today are terrible, it wouldn't make Pantheon. So at least I don't think it would. And so I think for some of the same reasons, this this doesn't, because while it does deal with some some topics that are current today, it doesn't deal with them directly. And for me, I would say, I say no. Uh, and my reasons are that the things that are just... The things that I like about the film don't outweigh the distractors where sure. I don't I don't think that the acting was as spectacular. I liked some of the, I liked the songs. There were a couple of actors in this movie that were spectacular. The MC that, again, we said. Well, and, and actually I liked the the English uh, the English translator, the, the yeah, teacher. Yeah. I, I liked him a lot, but he was also kind of not a big character. You know what and I'm saying? If I had to say uh, on the scale, like the five point scale, yeah, or the five star scale, right? Where I'd would give you this put like it? a three and a half. And I would say four. You, a good like, movie, great. Watch this as soon as possible. You should. Pr- people should see this movie. But is it Pantheon essential viewing? Eh. And I would put it just shy of that. You would put it shy of that. But three, which is rated as it's good, recommended, it, good, recommended, right? So you're better than that. Yeah. But you're not all the way up to, you should watch this film. That's right. That's yeah. right. But not essential viewing. Neither one of us. Um, so all right. A couple other things about this movie that I just wanted to note before we took off here. You bet. Is that uh, a fun fact about this film is many of the interiors of the film were done on the sound stages in Munich, recently vacated by the cast and crew of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Ha! Ha! So one minute, there's a fat kid falling into the Chocolate River, yeah. and the next minute, there's a cross-dresser yeah. singing about da- about having sex with two and, women And the another same time. fun fact about this is that uh, Sally jokingly calls herself International Man of Mystery to Michael York's character, who then <laughs> later, 25 years later, Michael York co-stars in Austin Power... International it, man, international of mystery. man of mystery. <laughs> yeah, so that, that those are some fun facts right there. I had a couple of fun facts that that I wanted to share. Uh, if we just have another quick second here, uh, as I said, the in the nineteen sixties Broadway musical version, the main actors were uh, main characters were an American writer named Cliff Bradshaw. Glad they changed that, by the way. Terrible name, and a nineteen-year-old English cabaret singer, Sally Bowles. They reverse those nationalities. The New York stage production was directed by uh, Harold Prince. Don't know if you're familiar with Harold Prince. Uh, and starred Jill Hayworth as Sally, Burt Convy as Cliff, uh, and Joel Gray as the MC. The same gentleman, of course, as I mentioned, that played the MC during the movie. Um, and uh, the writers, the music writers, both music and lyrics writers, were the same music and lyrics writers for the adaptation to the movie. They, along with the producer and the director and the funder and one of the co-directors, they all uh, had a had a hand in the themes and stuff that came into both the Broadway play and the movie. So yeah. anyone who watches the movie and feels uncomfortable with the way that it's dealing with, let's say, the anti-Semitism and the Jewish folk, understand. This was done in a uh, loving 30 years post World War II pro Jewish way. They were not 
diminishing yeah. them in any way. And and I, I felt and, and and to speak to that, yeah, the one character who is virtuous and beautiful in her fullness in this film is uh, the female yep. N- Natalia Landauer, played by Marissa. Baronson, I believe she's a baroness. Who is a baroness. Mm-hmm. And in the film, you have all these people who are grotesque and weird. And even even the regular folk from town are kind of like, uh, like you could take or leave that they're yep. just average people. But the one person who is a standout beauty and uh, like outside and in mm-hmm. is this Jewish woman, Natalia. Yes. Who is the baroness. And she held herself well and she carried herself well. Not snobbish. Not in an elitist way, yeah. but just in a pure way. Yeah, so that... that they even referred to her as pure, and what was the other term they used about her? Um, um, sheltered. Yeah. Pure and sheltered. So, like, so that is that is one of these kind of, like, subcontext metaphors yep. that you have in the film. I believe that's true. Uh, to, to, to kind of, like, heighten, heighten the disparity that, of, uh, of the anti-Semitism of that time. Mm-hmm. All right, so all that said, let's bring it on to our closing time. Uh, any final thoughts that you have before we close, Mr. Miggity Mac? Well, I did not, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I didn't uh, vote for this uh, as Pantheon. I actually do really like this movie. And it surprised me that in rewatching it how much I liked the movie because I actually started watching it thinking, you know, I'll slog my way through. And about halfway through, I had to pause it. I think I'd take my dog out, to be honest with you. But I had to pause the movie, and I was disappointed that I couldn't just watch the rest. Yeah. Because I got drawn in. So I really like this movie, and I really appreciate it as a, its nomination. Uh, while I don't think it's Pantheon, I do think it's a great movie other people should watch. Yeah, and I, I liked... I, I honestly thought the movie uh, was a good movie. It's a good movie. Um for, for me, other people might not like it. It might not be their thing, but I appreciate it. I also like Wayne's World, so, you yeah. know. And uh, back. Go figure. <laughs> and, and we mentioned this before, Hot Tub Time Machine, Hot tub is, time machine. is high on my list. Both, all three of these are good movies you should watch. <laughs> and, uh, and a final thought from me is that this film has sparked a lot of... Very interesting conversation and academic conversation, even, even academic where conversation. people have written articles. You only and, commented about one article yeah. in one magazine, but there are dozens and well, dozens. As of I that. told you, I spent hours yeah. reading reading various articles. I people think your term about. was I went down the academic rabbit hole. <laughs> I did. You did say did. rabbit hole, right? And and that is something to be said for the movie that it is that it sparks a conversation yep. that somebody that people would be very willing to just like want to chat about it uh, on a deep level yep um so 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 that there's that all right so let's bring us to our final uh outro here as always i hope everyone has enjoyed tonight's conversation i know i have where can video land find you mr miggity mac on facebook gary mcfall uh there are a couple of us but only one is connected to purdue as a purdue instructor that will be me so you can find me there and you can also find me on the Facebook page, Doug Pruim. Pruim. Spelled like Pruim. But it's, it's pronounced like Prime, like Optimus Prime. That is correct. 
you can find Adventures in Video Land on, on Instagram as well as Adventures in Video Land. There will be some pictures on Instagram from tonight's podcast I of assume. us drinking our prairie oysters. Mm. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, but the conversation always begins and ends on Facebook. So you've been lis- listening to Criticism in its finest hour. Until next time, Videolanders. Life is a cabaret, old chum. Auf Wiedersehen. I don't, this isn't, I don't like either one of those. I don't Did know. you really want to, how about, if you um, could see you the way I see you? Uh, I don't no? know. I don't know about that. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm just uh, saying, you know, yeah. like, not that you're an ape or how about, anything. How about this? You're not even Jewish. How about, how about this? We, we love, love you. you. <laughs>